0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. A few weeks ago, Jordan and I went on holiday. We went to the Lake District and uh, it rained a lot. Um, But we persevered and decided to do what all Lake District tourists do. We climbed some mountains. And so this is uh, one of them. Uh, we climbed the mountains. And the thing about mountains is that when you get to the top, you're, you feel really proud of yourself. Has anyone done that? And you're like, yeah, man, I'm a boss. I got to the top, right? And then you realize you've got to go back down because you don't have a personal helicopter that's going to come and collect it. Uh, but um, one of the mountains, which is actually a fell, which is a big hill, uh, called Catbells. We climbed that first, and this is what we looked like. <laughs> It was wet, I told you, it rained a lot, and so we are absolute jam rats there, but that's what we looked like, we felt really victorious, and then we went back down again, and then the next day we climbed another mountain, which is the one you saw just a moment ago, which is Blencathra, this is Blencathra at the Lake District, and if you were on Facebook yesterday, uh, we asked you whether you knew it, and no one got it right. So no prizes, I'm afraid. OK, so this is Ben Catherine. We got to the top. And on the top, uh, it was very cloudy, probably getting ready for the rain later on. It was very cloudy, which meant we couldn't really see what, you know, a lot of what was ahead of us like you do. It's very cloudy. And at the top, me and Jordan had this uh, moment of real confusion. It was just the most bizarre thing. And uh, what happened was we, we saw in the distance a group of people. We thought, that's very nice. We'll do the Lake District tourist thing and pretend we know each other, talk about the weather, you know, how are you doing? Good, fine. And so we naturally walked towards this group of people. But the bizarre thing was that when we walked closer and closer to this group of people, they very quickly, bizarrely, became smaller and smaller and smaller. We thought, that's very strange. Maybe they're running in the other direction. And it was very strange. And then we realized, when we got to what we thought was a group of people, it wasn't a group of people at all. All it was, was a pile of stones. And it it was just the most bizarre thing. It was the strangest thing. Because moments ago, we thought, oh, it's a group of people. And we were convinced that they were a group of people. And yet, when we walked closer and closer, they turned out not to be people at all. And I tell you this story because I think we've all had moments like that, right? Where you've seen a situation or uh, someone or something is one thing, and then you realize that in the reality of the situation, it's not what you thought it was at all. And we call this perspective. It's a weird and wonderful thing, perspective, the way we see and view things perspective and I don't know about you but um when I was at school in art classes you know those really fun lessons where you get to paint and draw things uh we were uh we were taught how to draw in perspective do you remember that and this is one of mine I'm joking it's not (laughs) it's not one of mine I'm sorry I wish it was mine but it's not uh but this you know our teacher would probably show us something like this and say look you have got to draw your own version Did you ever have this? And drawing in perspective... And the the art teacher would say something like, look, drawing in perspective is technique, and it's a process of trying to uh, represent on a plain surface what our naked eye sees in reality. And so that's what perspective is. and Not just in drawings, but in life. When we see with perspective, we can see distance and depth. And perspective allows us and gives us the capability to view things in their true light. In their true light. Now, if you're someone like me in Jordan who's had an experience of uh, believing one thing to be something and then realizing it's actually something very different, then we're not alone. You're not alone. We're not alone. We're not alone. Because thousands and thousands of years ago, There was a man, there was a servant of a man of God who had a very similar experience. And we're going to read about him today. But the story begins with a man of God named Elisha. Elisha, it's not Elijah, I always get confused with them. Elijah came before Elisha. Does J J become before S? Do we remember it that way? That's good. Okay, so Elisha came after Elijah. And Elisha was a man of God, and he was very gifted. And one thing he could do was to tell the king at that time where and when an enemy was going to come and attack. And so the king, obviously, happy days, uh, would know when an enemy was going to come and attack. Elisha. Okay, so Elisha had a gift, right? He had a gift in knowing when an enemy was going to come and attack. And the king, obviously, this was very good for him because he would never lose a battle because he knew they were coming. And so an enemy of the king, obviously, got very frustrated at this. He was like, "I can never catch them by surprise, and I can never go through with my plans and tactics because they always know we're coming." And so what he did was he sent uh, his army to go and fetch Elisha, to go and fetch him to go, "right, let's seize him. Let's kill him off. Let's just get rid of him, and then we won't have this problem." However, when the army got to Elisha, funnily enough, he knew they were coming entertaining anyway so he knew they were coming and so he wasn't startled at all but that's not the only reason why he wasn't startled because Elisha wasn't startled because he saw the situation in its true light he knew what was really going on and so this is what we read it's in 2 Kings chapter 6 and we're going to read from verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Now, this is a moment in scripture where I just love to pause and put on the servant shoes, right? He's like, what? Are you kidding? Elisha, can you see all these troops and chariots and horses? Can you see actually what's going on, Elisha? Are you mad? Are you absolutely out of your mind? And then the beautiful moment happens next where Elisha prays. He prays a prayer for the servant. And he says, oh God, open his eyes. Open his eyes to see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. This is verse 17. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. That's a cool image. Fire. And the story continues. But here we see Elisha's servant, right? His his eyes are blinded by what is really going on. Until Elisha, Elisha prays, God opened his eyes. He's seeing, with, uh, not a, he's seeing with like an earthly perspective, right? Because all he has seen is the challenge, is the problem, and the enemy. Whereas Elisha, the man of God, he saw it in a whole different perspective. He didn't see it with an earthly perspective. But what did he see it as? In a heavenly perspective. A heavenly perspective. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Our God is greater, right? Do you agree with that? Good, I'm glad about that. Right, God is greater. He's higher than any other. His name is greater than any other. And so any battle, well, he can overcome it, right? Any enemy that comes our way, well, God can destroy them, right? If God is greater, if this is what we believe in, then what are we doing about it? Are we seeing in the right perspective. For a moment, I'd love to talk to you about something I really love. Um, and it's something, something that this world um, doesn't really hold, it doesn't hold a lot of weight in this world, this thing that we're going to talk about. And this, this thing you may have picked up already is Truth. Truth. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but in the world in which we live, in this world of darkness, there's a constant battle between what is true and what isn't, right? And there's many people that would say that, the, that all of the problems in this world could probably be boiled down to about half a dozen because they all root from somewhere else, right? And so that it could be boiled down to about half a dozen. And without a doubt, I'm sure you would agree that truth probably seeps into all of them. Because there's this constant battle going on. And even further, yes, there's a battle between what's true and what's not. There's an even bigger battle going, well, is there truth at all? Is there an absolute truth at all? And this is the question that we find ourselves in. Albert Einstein, what a guy. <laughs> Lol. Uh, Albert Einstein, was he a ph- physician? Is that what you say? Physicist. Nearly. It's close. All right, physicists. <laughs> so Albert Einstein, uh, he said this about reality, right? He said, reality is merely an illusion, although it's a very persistent one. Douglas Adams, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he said, everything you see or hear or experience in any way at all is specific to you. You create the universe by perceiving it, and so everything in the universe you perceive is specific to you. Now, I've had many conversations with friends and family members, and they go, Well, you know, this old Christian thing, well, that's just, that's what, that's what you believe, that's okay. That's, you, that's what you believe, I believe what I believe, happy days. And they're basically saying, Well, you have your truth, I'll have my truth, that's just the way it is. That really saddens my heart, because it begs the question, doesn't it? What on earth, as humanity, do we stand on? What do we stand on? Who am I to trust if there's no absolute truth? I'm certainly not going to trust in myself. I'm weak, I'm broken. I haven't got a leg to stand on without anything to trust in. And when I think about truth and lies, I can't help but think of the beginning, right? I love telling this story, so I might get a bit excited. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here we go. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. He then created man, male and female, and it was very good. You're very good. You're very good. I'm very good. <laughs> we are very good, and he created us very good. And then he said, look, you can eat from any tree in the garden, except from the one in the middle. Don't, don't eat from that one. He said, because if you eat from that, that's, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat from that, if, even if you touch it, you'll die. Don't eat from that. Eat from any other tree except from this one. And then one day, the sneakiest of all creatures came to man and painted a skew-whiff picture of who God is. This is what he said, right? You won't die. You won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on, right? You won't die. You'll be just like God, He says, knowing everything, raging all the way from good to evil. You won't die. And from the next moment on, everything changed. We know, because when Adam then uh, Eve then Adam ate the fruit, what God had told them would happen happened. They instantly felt shame. They instantly felt fear. Everything had changed. And so because of the consequence of sin and disobeying God, which is death, they were banished from the Garden of Eden. And their relationship with God, we know, was was completely ruined. And why? Because of a lie they were deceived by satan it was a big fat lie you won't die you won't die no god just doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he doesn't want you to become like him you won't die it was a big fat lie and so i can't help to think that what separated us in the first place which is something to do with lies then what brings us back together again is truth And who is that truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. John 14, 6. And so I'm convinced that if we are going to have a heavenly perspective, we've got to be people of the truth. Because if truth is all about reality and what's true and and, and what's real, then that's what a heavenly perspective is all about. And so if we are to have this heavenly perspective, perspective. We've got to be people of the truth. Let me bring your attention to Colossians 3. There's a moment in a letter written by Paul to the church in Colossae. Is that how you say it? Colossae? 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 Who knows? One of them. All right, so he he was writing a letter to the church in that and and in this letter um, he basically tries to encourage them because in the world in which they live is full of darkness, is full of false teachers, full of lies and superstitions and so Paul here says this to them, he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you die to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. Now, there's something about a heavenly perspective that's about truth, but also is all about freedom. When we have a heavenly perspective, because of the truth, well, what does the scripture say? The truth sets you free. And so having a heavenly perspective, it's about truth and about what's real. And and when we know that and when we see that, then we're free. And we gain that freedom that Jesus fought for. And that is such good news. Such good news that we are to be a people of freedom. There are some days where I just don't feel free. Do you have that? I'm like, this day, I just want it to end. I don't feel very free at all. I'm not, I'm not having faith in the truth at all. I'm just having a bad day. And yet God calls us to be people who are free, which has something to do with the truth and a heavenly perspective. When we see the, God, when we see the way God sees, right? Could you imagine that for a minute? Could you imagine being God in heaven, you know, looking down on this beautiful earth? What does he see? What does he see? When we see the way God sees, when we set our minds on the things of heaven like Paul urges the church, his ways, his thoughts, his plans, what he sees becomes our reality. And then because of this, later on in Colossians 3, Paul talks about, well, if that's the case, then you'll be changed forever. Forever. And goes on about putting on things, taking off things. Take off anger and greed. Put on love and generosity. We've got to be people who sees the way God sees. And of course, I know that we won't see perfectly what God sees, right? Because then He wouldn't be God. Because this is a mystery. I love that. I tell the young people all the time: Look, don't try and understand God, like fully, because you you would never get there. Because He's a mystery. He's huge. He's outside of time. There is no way we will ever fully understand God. Maybe in heaven that will happen. Maybe not. But he's so big. He's so huge. That yes, we can try and understand just a little bit. Help me understand you, God, more. Help me understand what you see and what you think and what you do. Our life transforms, right, when we see what God sees. Because where there is fear we see courage. When we see uh, sadness, we see joy. When we see death, God gives us life. And when we may see chains, then God allows us to see freedom. Absolute freedom. And I'm convinced, right, that if the church is going to make any impact at all, if the church is going to have any use at all in this earth, then we have to see with a heavenly perspective. We've got to see what is true? We've got to be able to see what's really going on. Because if we see the way that God sees, then we'll be free. And we'll be able to see the way he does. In this world of darkness and lies, the truth and reality sets us free. And I believe that this freedom everyone is longing for. You know, we you know, talk about God-shaped hole. Everyone is longing for freedom. They're just not looking in the right places. And that's why we as a church are called to be salt and light in this earth. Now, considering all of this, right, we've done a bit of a whirlwind. You know, what do we think what life looks like? What do we think that life looks like with a heavenly perspective? And now some of you will hate this, some of you will love this, but we're going to do it anyway. I'm going to give you some scenarios. So we're going to to work it out together. We're going to answer this question together. And I'm going to give you some scenarios, and in just a round of people that you're with, discuss what a heavenly perspective might look like in these scenarios. Okay, so these are the scenarios, I'll read them out. There's a whole range of these things. So you've dropped your phone down the toilet, and it doesn't seem to work. it. Anyone happen that happens? Anyone happen that happens? So you've dropped your phone down the toilet, and it doesn't seem to work. Annoying, right? Okay, it's your birthday, and you haven't received the gift that you wanted. You've been sent a huge bill. That you weren't expecting, and you have two weeks to pay it off. Nightmare. You've been dating your boyfriend or girlfriend for a year and believe that God longs for you to keep all sexual activity until the moment you're married, but you want to show them that you love them. That's hard. Been there, done that. You've been given the news that your friend has a life-threatening disease. Awful. You work in an office in a team that, as a joke, verbally abuses you, and daily you dread going into work and try to keep your head down as much as possible. So this is just a variety of scenarios, right? I just thought we could do this together. So just around, you know, with the people next to you, just for a few moments, maybe pick one or two that you want to discuss, and just discuss, you know, what does a heavenly perspective look like in these scenarios? Okay, so just a few minutes, and then we'll draw back together after then. Okay, so we're just going to hear a few of what you've you know, discussed about, so if you'd like to share and do. Tim's got a mic, so he's going to run around. So let's start with the, the first one. So you've dropped your phone down the toilet and it doesn't seem to work. What does a heavenly perspective look like when that happens? Anyone discuss that one? Say that again. Okay, see so a phone is not necessary to surviving in life. Some would disagree, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, material things, isn't it funny how we we hold so much, you know, it's so necessary, we hold so much of our trust in technology, and yet in the reality, in a heavenly perspective, there's probably no iPhones in heaven, maybe, which is gutting, I quite like mine, (laughs) I don't know, right? Great, perfect. Okay, let's move on. It's your birthday and you didn't receive the gift that you were hoping for. Tim, you got an answer for that. Come on, Tim.
1: I, I just i um, just try and um, bite myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, fair enough.
1: That might not be the heavenly perspective. No,
0: <laughs> not a heavenly one. But what do you think? Anyone got anything to, to add to that? Okay, Dick, we got Dick over here. So it's your birthday and you didn't receive the gift you were hoping for.
1: Well, really, the, if the scripture says, doesn't it, that your father knows what you have need of before you even ask him. Great. So if you didn't get necessarily what you were hoping for, continue to put your trust in God. And Great. ultimately, you will get what you need That's really important. But
0: I really need a PS4 dick.
1: (laughs) Talk to God about it, Hannah.
0: (laughs) Great. We do, we we put our hope in in things of this world, don't we? And the reality is, there's probably no PS4s in heaven either. Which is ah, gutted. No FIFA. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) You have been sent a huge bill. Now, this is really tough, right? For those of you who have had this, may have experienced it, and unfortunately you might experience it in the future, who knows. But you've been sent a bill, a huge bill, that you weren't expecting. You've got two weeks to pay it off. Anyone discuss this one? No one likes (laughs) bills. Okay, yeah, down the front, Tim. So you've been sent a huge bill that you weren't expecting, you've got two weeks to pay it off. Um, Yeah, we just said that... Um, the bank of heaven is is limitless. God has says that he owns all the, the bulls on a thousand hills, and we own them as well. So, so it good. is about trust. It's not easy. Yeah. Um. And but also that you yeah you know, we belong to a church family, so we look to them for support, not necessarily to give us the money, but just to support um, and and to pray with us and Great. You know, not just get closed in on your little situation but realise that actually you're part of a huge family and yeah. one body which has all the riches. Amazing. I, I, sometimes Jordan and I say well it's God's money anyway. Yeah. Right? <laughs> God could make our bank balance very different in a click of a finger if he wanted to. Right? He could. He, he's the God of, of all things. He's um, uh, what's, uh, um what's that one? Omnipotent, good grief, it's been a long week. (laughs) Omnipotent, he's all-powerful, right? So he could provide you the money. And I know that's just such a hard situation, isn't it? But a heavenly perspective would say, God, I trust you. God, you have all the coins in the bank. These are all yours. And I don't think there'll be any money in heaven either. (laughs) We won't be going to the shop. Wow, that cat's... He's loving the sermon, isn't he? <laughs> Thank you, Kat, so much. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, let's, let's move on. So uh, you've been dating your boyfriend or girlfriend for a year and believe that God longs for you to keep all sex- sexual activity until after the moment you're married. But you want to show them that you love them. It's so hard, right? So who, who discussed this one? Anyone want to brave this one? This is an awkward one, isn't it? Sex. <gasps> there's no hands for those listening online there's no hands going up (laughs) all right let me let me talk about oh yeah yeah go yeah yeah okay elaine thank you you saved me
2: maybe it's just something my mum said to me um when i was a young teenager she said if you can keep yourself until you're married it's a beautiful thing great and that always stuck in my head brilliant in moments of temptation Amazing. That wasn't perhaps a godly perspective because she wasn't a Christian at the time. She became Christian, but I think it was a word of wisdom.
0: Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, over here. We didn't discuss it. Um, I just suddenly felt the urge to say that there are many ways to show somebody that you love them. Great, yeah. That, that is That's just so a small <laughs>
1: part of the yeah. bigger picture.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Uh, marriage course, we've just done one. You know... There's love languages, right? It's different ways to show people you love them amazing. And I, I mean, I'm not, we haven't been far off it. We've been married for two years. Um, but it is really hard. And I would never go back there, right? But uh, someone said once, like, God loves purity. And... So often, don't we, when when we're young and and young people in this world, see it as, oh, you're stopping me from doing something. I want to do it, right? You're stopping me. God, you're so unfair. I want to do that. And it's it's not a bad thing to want to show someone that I love them, but you're stopping me from doing it. And I think when, when we talk about, you know, sex before marriage, it's so huge in the church today, especially that, you know, God loves purity. And that's a good thing purity and it is when when you wait it's a beautiful thing and me and Jordan would never regret that decision of waiting until we're married to to then show each other we love each other in different ways right but it's so hard to in that moment in that moment of temptation to go God would you help me to have a heavenly perspective in this situation this is so hard and for every young person who goes through that, my heart breaks for them because, you know, been there, done that, and it is. But to have that heavenly perspective, to go, God, this isn't fun, but I, I trust that this is the right thing. I trust that this is good for us. I trust that you are, you are right in this. And it is. It's a beautiful thing. Amazing. Let's move on. You've been, give, uh, you've been given the news that your friend has a life-threatening disease now this is this is just awful um anyone discuss discuss this one want to share yep. jordan trevor
1: cheers yeah um someone in my last church um had cancer and but she was just a, an amazing example for everyone else because she was just so filled with joy all the time and everyone was like oh how can you be like that you know you you've been given a certain amount of time to live and you're just, you're absolutely loving life and everyone would ask, like, how, how are you like that? Well, she was just filled with God's joy and she was showing a heavenly perspective when everyone else wasn't and it was, it was quite amazing to see her just enjoy those last few months of life and, yeah, it was a real example f- for me and for a lot of people that we knew at the time how to have that heavenly perspective and enjoy what you have.
0: Mm. Amazing. Trevor?
2: We were thinking about the, uh, the whole um, life and eternity that, uh, that mm. some people um, find their healing in eternity and some find them in this life. We had a friend who was um, with stage four cancer and she believes that God was going to do something and this God kept speaking into this situation. And she, she held out in faith. And mm-hmm. she's alive today and enjoying life and, yeah. as they call it, in remission. But uh, the, we've known of others who've, uh, who've unrealistically expected that God was going to heal them and didn't find anything. They just found death
1: yeah. in the
2: end. So it, it, it's finding that um, peace in, the, uh, in eternity. Yeah. This is our life and eternity blend together. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Amazing. When I was younger, I, was, I, um, I used to say to my mum and dad, I, I want to go home. I want to go home. And they were like, you are home. I said, no, no, my real home. Yeah, my real home and heaven, right, is our real home. It's, a, it's our destination, the eternal life that God has given us. That is where we, we, It's where we're going. It's our home. And so here on earth, we can have an earthly perspective, can't we? But a heavenly perspective goes, well, this earthly life is only for a certain time, right? And I know how hard it is for for the same situation, but for those who don't believe. Ugh, it's horrible. Because you want them, you long for them, don't you? To know that heavenly perspective. Tim, we've got one at the back, and then uh, Briny.
2: I've had leukemia for six years. It's stable now. I've been a Christian since I was 16. And it puts all these things like dropping your phone down the toilet and not <laughs> getting what you wanted for your birthday, bills and everything else, totally out the window. Yeah. Because in the end, we wake up every day and say, I'm alive. Amazing. And, and thank you, Lord, that you have kept me alive. And it's stable. Mm-hmm. And my children won't get it.
0: Yeah. And I'm okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. And last one, finally.
2: It was just when you were talking then, Hannah, about um, heaven and earth and one thing that Trevor said when I preach years ago, which it was always stuck with me that, you know, our life it just goes on. Etern- you know, death is just the passing through. Yep. And to have a a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective, is a really helpful thing. And um, I think the more we find God whilst we're here on earth, the more it's like heaven on earth because he wants a relationship with us and yeah. the, he talks to us. And the more we're close to him whilst we're here on earth, it's like heaven. Yeah. And so longing for heaven is a strange thing in a way to me as i've been thinking about it because god's not going to give up on the earth you know no we're we're here and so uh, we talked about the life-threatening thing that it's a very very difficult question and actually it's about loving your friend and being Mm -hmm. supportive to them and praying for them yeah it's a big it's a really big question but
0: yeah brilliant thank you Thank you so much. It's so true, isn't it? And uh, just, I realized that I said earlier when I was a kid I wanted to go home. I wasn't trying to commit suicide. Because then I'd go home. <laughs> I was like, life here on, you know, life here on earth is good. But our home is, is in heaven. And I look forward to the day. Right? There's so much to do here. And I, I get that. I love that. But I can't wait <laughs> to see Jesus face to face. What a day that will be. But, this could be good. Okay, last one then. You work in an office in a team that, as a joke, verbally abuses you. Daily, you dread going into work and keep, you just try and keep your head down as much as possible. This is hard, really hard. But, you know, what, what can we do? What's a heavenly perspective in this situation? Anyone discuss this one?
2: No one goes to work. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I've been going through a situation, not verbal abuse, but a manipulative person at work. He's quite devious, and I've been really struggling with it and how he behaves towards me. And I had some prayer about this recently, actually, um, at the weekend away, and I feel it really did unlock the chains that that guy was talking about and that sense of freedom. Um, and I've really achieved that, I think, by sharing with people, which is something I don't usually like to do very much. <laughs> um, not that I'm not generous, <laughs> I don't mean it like that. But it's um, just about getting prayer from other people right. that care about you. Um, but also about not being in control and that it all doesn't boil down to me. And just trusting in God that he's at work in that situation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's my experience, is just pray, praying carefully through it and trying to let go of being in control as well. Yeah,
0: amazing. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Okay, we just got time for one more.
2: I think we can uh, feel trapped in that situation and uh, on an earthly perspective, we, we rely on that work or whatever for our, our income, our, our, our prosperity, yep. but actually we have to get out of it sometimes we have to trust God that actually stepping out of that and away from it will work and I'm, I know if i've had to do that and actually um, I've, the perspective was that actually being out of that situation was far better with all the risks mm. uh, we had to trust God forwards better than being in that situation and yeah. not not being able to change it yeah and just being crushed by it day after day
0: mm. amazing thank you so much Thank you. Funny, isn't it? How can we have a better, you know, a more heavenly perspective? And as you, some of you know, um, sometimes when I preach, I pick up my guitar and see what happens. Um, and very early yesterday morning, <laughs> I, worked, I couldn't get to sleep, and, and God just led me to have my guitar. And, uh, and I wrote a song, which I'd love to share with you now. Um, so this is called Reality, Our Reality. Thanks, Jim. God, Would you show us your glory When darkness seems to dominate the page The light seems so, so far away Show us your glory, God Would you show us your glory You invite us to see the way you see Open our eyes Would you come and set us free the truth, our reality. You are the truth, our reality. Let our thoughts around the things of heaven. Shift a line of sight to match your own. Show us your glory, God, with you? Show us your glory. Fill our hearts with everything, keep our eyes firmly fixed on yours, show us your glory,
1: God, with you, show us your glory, you invite us to see the things you see, open our eyes, would you come?
0: God saw. He saw what was unseen. And so God calls us, doesn't he, to have more of a heavenly perspective. And I don't know, the challenge, I guess, a challenge that we could set ourselves this week is, at the beginning of every day, we could set an alarm on our phone, put a sticker on our steering wheel as we drive to work. Well, every morning, why don't we pray the prayer that Elisha prayed for his servant. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes, God. Open our eyes to see the way you see. Jim, you want to come up? And I guess, you know, could you imagine what life would be like if we had this heavenly perspective? Could you imagine what this church would look like? If we all had a heavenly perspective, could you imagine the impact that we have on Romsey, on the surrounding areas, if we had this heavenly perspective? I think it would be incredible. <laughs> and I think God has so much to, to show us and to, to help us see. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.